0: From hunting insights to science based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me in studio today is my co-host, Dr. Mike Razor. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well, Chris. Good to see you. Good to see you. And also joining us is the host of Barstool Outdoors, Sydney Wells. Sydney, welcome to the DU Podcast.
1: Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be on, especially right before hunting season kicks in. The excitement is about to start.
2: (laughs) That's right. We are going to be kicking off dove season really soon, and that's kind of the start for everybody. We've been doing the waterfowl numbers, the survey release numbers recently. I know Mike's been heavily involved in that, but that's kind of the start to fall. Everyone's pretty excited. Um, but really, you know, I'm excited to have you on here and kind of just share your story about how you became a part of Barstool Outdoors, or actually the host of Barstool Outdoors. But before we do that, if you don't mind, just kind of giving our audience just a little bit of introduction of who you are, where you're from, and how you got involved with Barstool.
1: So my name is Sydney Wells, like they've already introduced me. Some people may know me as Tim Wells' daughter, one of the best bow hunters in the world. He's also uh, quite known as a crazy man. Very true. Uh, I am from central Illinois, small town near Peoria, Illinois. And I have been hunting and fishing ever since I could walk. My dad had a television show called Relentless Pursuit TV on the sportsman's channel, and also Tim was Bow Hunter on YouTube. So growing up, I mean, he started, he's done this for 26 years. I'm 25. So ever since I was born, I was in television. I was been in front of a camera, so I was kind of groomed to do this. I actually didn't know I was going to be a part of Barstool Sports. You know, I followed Barstool Sports in college, um, followed Dave Portnoy, you know, some podcasts. Uh, I wasn't necessarily like a big stoolie. So if you follow Barstool Sports, um, if you're like a diehard fan, you're called a stoolie. Um, but I just knew... You know, a little bit above our so I was fan, you know, followed a bunch of different pages. And in college, uh, I started getting, you know, more and more following on social media. So I didn't know that was going to be a career. My dad certainly wanted me to just be with him and film all the time because uh, it was just fun for us to do. And we were lucky. We were successful. We were very fortunate for that um, on that end. But I graduated as a nurse, but had full intentions to be a nurse. Uh, my mom's like, you need to get your butt to the hospital. I wanted to be an ICU nurse, to be exact. And my dad's like, nope, you're not going to the hospital. You need to be filming with me and doing content because you're good at it. And so I um, took my NCLEX pass, accepted a job, and then called him back and said, I'm sorry. I got to pursue my passion in (laughs) the outdoor industry. And then three months later, I was at deer camp with my parents, just shot a drop-tying buck. And uh, Dave Portnoy put out a tweet that said, wanted host of Barstool Outdoors. And all of my... um, my buddies sent it to me because I didn't really follow you know much on Twitter, and uh, I sent them an email that night. And it was so crazy because the day before I was talking to my cousin, like I want to do something on my own. I don't know what it is. I've been praying about it. I just don't know what it's gonna be. And then that happened. I sent in an email, and then actually like a month and a half later, I got an email to uh, meet with. The guys, and then I got hired. So pretty crazy, yeah.
2: That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, that's a quick switch going from an ICU nurse, where you're almost accept- accepting the position, to then, hey, I'm going to run off and work for Barstow Outdoors. But super cool. I mean, that what a great opportunity. You know, what was that interview process like? You know, that's inter- these guys are so, you know, a lot of the guys that you're referencing there, you know, they're so forward facing. Like everyone in the country or people follow them on social media, like you know who those guys are. You know, even if you're not. Really a stoolie per se. I mean, you're still watching videos with Dave and you know Big Cat and these guys. So like you know, you know most people know who they are. What was that process like where you went in and just sat down with them and you're? I don't know. They don't really come off as outdoorsmen to me, but you know, you seem like ten times more of an outdoors. than them. This they are. is
1: this is the funniest thing. So yeah, I mean they're not really outdoorsy. I'd <laughs> say I was definitely a huge fan of Dave. So it was, I was definitely a little nervous, but I knew, like, okay, I got to go in here and be confident. Otherwise, he's going to walk all over me. <laughs> so I met with, uh, uh, his name's Gaz. I met with Gaz, and then, we, and then I ended up meeting with Dave, and he was actually late to my meeting because he was in a Jenga tournament, which is uh, funny. But uh, it wasn't, it was just the best thing about Barstool is we are, uh, what is it, the right word here? Barstool, everybody is themselves. Nobody tries to change anybody. So going into that, like, I guess, quote unquote, I guess interview is more of a conversation, get to know who I am. He was just like, it sounds, you know, he, he liked everything that I said and he just wanted to get to know me. And, and he's like, all right, great. We want you to work for us. And so um, it was very quick. I think it was like a 10 minute ordeal, if that. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was really great. It was really easy. It was just at Barstool, it's not like a regular company where it's super like okay, you have to send these formal emails, you got to be super formal. You just really just we're characters in a video game.
2: You just have to deliver the numbers, right? Like
1: yeah, you just gotta you just gotta be yourself and like be passionate about your work and work hard, and that's pretty much what you got to do.
4: And, and so Sydney, how long how long ago was that that you started for Barstool?
1: I started in the year of February twenty
4: twenty one. February twenty one. Well, that was that's sort of a crazy time to be yeah. traveling, right? How, how would, did, did that make it more difficult? I'm sure it did.
1: So I think COVID was just, it was slowly starting to go away because I was able to travel to New York when I first started and see the office and get to know people around there. And then like, so it wasn't really super hard to travel. We started to travel with masks, you know, on airplanes, but we're in the, I mean, being in the outdoors, if I wasn't gonna be able to fly, I was gonna drive. You know, I didn't have to like go inside a building to do my content. So it wasn't really that hard. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really easy. I mean, at first I was, they just throw you into it and you're like, okay, make, make your content. And I'm like, okay. I was 20, 22 years old, 23 years old. I'm like, all right.
4: And so when you started out, like how did you go about identifying the, the, the content that you wanted to produce, the places you wanted to go, the hunts you wanted to go on? I'm sure your dad, through all the work that you did with your dad, you had a lot of ideas. You probably had a few connections. I suspect now you get all sorts of offers to come and come visit with us and hunt with us and fish with us, but kind of starting out, how did you, how did you kind of get into that?
1: Yeah. So this is the best thing about Barstool is when you are getting, when you are hired, you know, they're not, they don't expect you to change who you are. So I got hired for a reason and they're not trying to form me into anybody else. Um, I already had a lot of the connections and honestly, it's just, I wanted to do the same things that I do every other mo- every month, is to hunt and fish, and I already had a lot of you know connections and friends and family. I feel like um, the friends I have made over the years, they've been great friends that we like just enjoy the outdoors together. And the only difference is I was going to film every single waking moment. It's different than you know the outdoor channel, the sportsman's channel, when you only film twelve episodes a year or you know that come out live. This time it was every week, so it was a little intense, but. I just I was lucky enough, and fortunate enough that I've been all over the country already, so I had some connections. My dad certainly has helped with his friends, um, but you know, all my friends and family, luckily all over the country, they're all outdoorsmen, so they have a, an idea or two um, of trips that I could go on.
4: So another question, kind of related to your experiences with your dad. You know, you said that you were behind the camera, you were probably in front of the camera a lot with uh, growing up with your dad, but nowadays. The filming, the cameras you use, and some of the ways that you do it are different from from some of the, let's say, more structured choreographed kind of productions of the past. Is that what's that change been like for you? Is it is it easier now? Is it more pressure now? Um, what's that change look like?
1: I am fortunate enough to have a little bit of like camera. Work. I've like done a lot of self filming. Pressure. Yeah, you gotta be a little bit organized. You know, you gotta. I've been booking my trips. You know, kind of allocating who's going on trips with me, f- filming wise and editing wise. But it's, it's not really pressure. It's uh, I'm gonna make it work either way. I'm not too worried about. It. I know how to run a camera. I have great editors back um, at Barcelona, which are super superb. Everybody at Barstool is so helpful and great. Resources are great too. Yeah, I just think like my dad honestly films a bunch of my hunts. We are two peas in a pod. We still film. We film each other. Um, I have a couple of buddies, my friend Alex. He's a big YouTuber. We film each other. So there's not really pressure. Not a lot has really changed besides the fact that I'm filming every week. That's the biggest change is it's a passion. Yes, hunting and fishing, but it's also my job. You know, with any other YouTubers, everybody knows to like be successful and grow. You got to put out content. It's really it's really a lot of work. And I think a lot of people don't understand Um how much work a lot of these youtubers put into their jobs of you know producing the content that their audience and their fans are going to love it's a lot of planning it's a lot of travel and it's a lot of your time cuz like you guys know, like I'm especially with the waterfowl, you never know when the duck's gonna work. You never know when the deer's gonna step out. So it's just gonna be frustrating. That's the biggest pressure is like when I'm on a trip and I'm filming, I wanna get it done. And if I'm not gonna get it done, the best thing about the outdoors is you can find another way of kind of doing content besides the actual hunt or the you know, the harvest.
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You know, you know, mentioned that we we had a hunt with you in January of this year and what a lot of the content that you guys were kicking out of it wasn't necessarily the hunt. A lot of it was around the lodge, kind of people telling jokes. And I think a lot of people that create content, maybe, you know, from a different perspective, they don't really think of it that way. You know, they kind of think of it, like you said, you got to have the ducks there or the deer or catch fish or whatever. But just kind of spending a couple of days with you guys, I really noticed that a lot of that focus was really kind of on duck camp and the fun times and the jokes. The basketball game. The basketball, you know, things like that. Is that, you know, do you go into every trip knowing like, oh, hey, you know, if the fish aren't biting here, here's a spot where we can go and hang out. Like maybe it's a yeah. restaurant or maybe something like that.
1: Yeah, we do do that. That's like a really good point because I think I learned that through Barstool because Barstool is such a like, you know, content, 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 and it's all about per- personality. And that's what I've learned from working here. Like I do necessarily... It was a content machine when it came to hunting. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get this. Oh my gosh, I have to get that. But at Barcelona yeah, we, uh, at Barcelona Outdoors specifically, we do encapsulate everything. You know, when we're up north, the different environments, the different kind of people, the camaraderie, you know, there's so much to be shown of like hunting world in the outdoor industry because a lot of people who watch my videos too may have never hunted in their entire lives. So it's cool to like showcase that um, part of the, of it, even just showing, oh, we have to get a license and being like, oh, this is what a license is. People don't understand that or we can only shoot or kill this many animals. Yeah, it's all like educational and also just showing the all behind the scenes. I think people love that because they want to know what we're doing besides going hunting or fishing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's based, you know, kind of on your personality. Um, But one big thing that, really jumps out, you know, a female hosting barstool outdoors, you know, with the females being the largest growing segment of outdoorsmen and women, you know, that's, that's a growing number, um, where everything else is declining. Is that something that you kind of take pride in that you're really, you know, on the leading edge of maybe introducing not only these, you know, where we've referenced, you know, some of these people are not outdoorsmen, um, but really kind of leading the charge for female hunters and anglers. You kind of feel like as you're maybe the favorite Of that right now?
1: Uh, I feel like I could particularly be one of the faces. I think there's a lot of really like awesome outdoors women, you know, out there. You know, you got Hannah Barron, you got Eva Shockey, you got a lot of really cool girls, you know, out west too. I think that like one thing I take pride in is. I definitely am like a big bow hunter and I do a variety of things. I'm not really just into one thing. So, yeah, I think I take a lot of, you know, pride in that. And I really want to showcase myself in the best way possible. And also, like, I think I growing up, I was always so nervous because, you know, a lot of women, we get a bad rep nowadays, which I don't know, understand why people put each other down. Like, if you don't like somebody doing something, just kind of like brush it off and move on. It's not going to help anybody by putting another female down or you can, you know, message her you know, on the side, even guys, message them on the side and be like, hey, you know, I probably shouldn't have post this because X, Y, and Z. I think that's the best way to go about it. I kind of stay in my own lane in my own circle. But I was, you know, also taught by the best. I think also we just have a lot of pressure of acting a certain way and being always nervous about what to say or how to act, which I have came out of that shell and been more myself because of subbing into the rule, I was nervous. Let's say, okay, I gotta play the part. I gotta be the best. I can't show my mistakes. And now I'm just like and my coworkers help help me play off of that because they, you know, they mess up and screw up all the time, and they showcase it, and everybody makes fun of each other. But like, some people can be rude. Obviously, we're never gonna get rid of that. But I think that's the best way to showcase yourself is show your mistakes and just be authentically yourself, and not really care what other people say. Don't read the comments.
2: Don't read the comments. <laughs> don't read the comments,
1: yeah. and don't like go into them. If somebody's gonna be rude or be a jerk about it, all you gotta do is block and delete. Dr. Mike
2: Brazier, are you listening to this? What, what are you talking about? He man? will argue with people on Facebook nonstop. So, and I can justify why I do <laughs> Thank it, though. I I'm, was glad, just talking I'm glad about you brought that up, earlier. CD, that's so, perfect. No, okay. Go, go ahead. Tell, no, 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 tell no, her that no, you no. argue with people online all the time. I don't argue
4: with people. <laughs> what I do is sometimes I will reply to certain comments, not necessarily trying to change the mind of that person, but to give the other people that might come along and read that post something else to consider. That's the thing. That's just kind of my take on on the situation in <laughs> which I, I do that. That's but Right. Like from my perspective, you know, my job is like science and helping to communicate some of that science. And when I see some, it's not personal, it's not attacks on individuals in our Mm -hmm. case necessarily, it's attacks on our organization, Mm -hmm. which would be analogous to what you're talking about, attacking the individual. Uh And I just, uh, and I don't do a whole lot of it. Chris Chris thinks I do comment on it. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. But, uh, I, from my from my perspective, is it is in some cases just to give the other people that read those comments something else to think about and something else to consider. So yeah, I that's think
1: it. that's one other case, especially if somebody's yeah. arguing about more informational or like educational. Yeah. Like, no, this is this is a thing. Or like this but
4: I will thing. admit that sometimes I do get a bit sassy and I will <laughs> go into it just for fun.
1: Hey, if you <laughs> don't care, if you don't do care, it. be sassy. Be sa- I mean, I've definitely commented back about some things and be like, what yeah. the heck? And then, you know, yeah. we take a laugh of it. My dad, when he gets comments, he's, he comments back sarcastic and I know he's being sarcastic oh, yeah. but now I'm like great people are actually thinking he's being like he's <laughs> he's being truthful to it when he's not whatever but that's another conversation.
4: <laughs> so Sydney you started this conversation by introducing yourself uh, saying a lot of people might know you as Tim Wells's daughter. I would say that's probably changing where and and how many times has how many times does your dad now introduce himself as Sydney Wells's uh, father?
1: That is so funny. So that's the main reason why I'm like, I want to do something on my own. I love my dad. He's the best, but I'm tired of being Sidney Wells, Tim Wells' daughter. I want to be Sidney Wells. And I finally, you know, have had that happen for myself, which is great. Uh, But he did make a story. He's like, well this is like nearly a year ago. He's like, well, I think you did it. I go, why? What do you mean? He goes, I was on a plane and somebody asked me if I was Sidney Wells' dad. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. he's super yeah. proud. Very proud.
4: Oh, I'm sure. And rightly so. Do you remember when we were in Arkansas, we went to Max Prairie Wing that one day and we were kind of taking bets as you and your dad were going in. The rest of us were back there saying, okay, who wants to bet? Uh, who's going to get more people that come up to them and ask to have their picture taken with them or introduce them to uh, introduce them to you or your dad? And I, I think I I've, the count was really, really close because that was a little video that I think y'all put out, or maybe Matt Harrison put it out. Yeah, I think you might've won that.
1: I don't even remember. I just know that there is a lot of people in there. That really excited that to especially when my dad. My dad. I just brag on him all the time. But when my dad sees people, you know, he always has the running joke up. And they're like, "Can we get a picture?" And he's like, 5 dollars." And some people think he's serious, <laughs> and I'm like, "You gotta tell them that you're not serious."
4: Sydney, I'm I'm kind of wondering. You grew up hunting. You, you're obviously uh, avid archer. Where did how much waterfowl hunting did you do growing up?
1: So I shot my first wood duck. It was double banded, actually. Ooh. No,
4: wow, no. Let's hear that wait, wait, story. Wait, 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 yeah, hold on.
1: Hundred dollar reward on it. I was too. Wait, Shh. was this
4: whose whose backyard was this out of? Your dad put it on there.
1: This was <laughs> this was um, on our farm and flooded a corn, and it was a single duck. Just me and him.
4: The first duck, the first duck you ever killed, was double banded
1: mm-hmm. with a hundred dollar reward.
4: Wow, Wow. a wood duck, wood duck, unbelievable.
1: Because typically, um, duck season opens up on my birthday, um, or right around it. So, my it was on my birthday that year, and he's like, Come on, like, he used to, you know, when I was a little girl, like, I would like to hunt, but he would have to beg me sometimes. And so, we went out, and um, I remember it came from the north, and I held up my gun and shot it, and he we picked it up, and he was freaking out. And he's like, all
4: right, it's time to go home. That's awesome. That's amazing. We were just talking to somebody yesterday about those situations where the first duck that someone kills is banded. I don't think I've ever heard of a person that's where the first duck they've ever killed is double banded and a wood duck at that. And they don't do that a lot in terms of those reward band studies. And most of them are on mallards, but I know they have done them with a few other species as well. That's incredible. I was on a hunt
2: with a lady on the Texas coast. She was our public policy specialist in DC at, uh, at the time. I can't remember her name, but... She shot her first duck was a redhead and it was double banded. As wow! Well. Oh first duck she gosh. ever killed, and I was like, "Wow!" It, pretty much, you're done. It's kind of like killing it's the true. monster buck on the very first hunt. Oh uh, yeah, you, you know, kind of ruin your yeah, you. you're r-
1: ruined. Well, I have a question for you guys. This is kind of off topic. You asked me if I waterfowl hunt a lot. Yes, the answer is I was able to shoot a um, a mallard drake out of a blind, and there was like I shot a banded duck, and then the guy behind me shot a banded duck. How often does that happen when there's like a group and there's you know two couple bands in there.
4: Well, I think I'd, I'd have to ask, do you know if the bands were in sequence? Well, number one, it doesn't happen very often. If, however, the two bands were in sequence or relatively close, then it could be that those birds had been banded not too long before that. It could have banded somewhere nearby, sort of depends on where it is. Yeah. It's uncommon for sure, but there are some situations in which it'd be a little more likely to happen than others.
2: So. I, I'd say it's a, it's a lot more common with Canada geese, at yeah. least as far yeah. as what I've heard. Yeah. Now, I grew up not too far from where you grew up, just across the Indiana border and we had a we had a pretty large residential Canada goose population yeah and we, we would <laughs> yeah you guys do too huh? but like we would shoot you know when I was in high school we'd go out and hunt in the morning and we would shoot into a flock of seven to ten geese and four or five of them would be banded. And yeah. what that is, that's more family groups. Yeah, that's right. They were captured young and they as grew- part of a family group, they were banded together. And so that probably happens a lot more than ducks. Yes. Yeah. that's pretty interesting.
1: We, uh, where I'm from, there's a small little park that they band. So early season's pretty fun for everybody. Cause they get a bunch of bands for their, uh, their lanyard. But yeah, growing up, we, we duck hunted a lot. We shot a lot of Canada's, especially with my grandpa. And my dad, and my brother, and my mom. It was, it, we didn't film as much. That was more of our, our hobby. Like, we didn't film. It was more just the camaraderie. We wanted to just enjoy it and not be so stressed about getting the shots.
0: Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan. After these messages, you and your dog are a team.
4: Sydney, I, I, I will say that you earned some some points in my mind right there with what you just said, where you, re, you correctly referred to them as Canada's. You know, a lot of people come on and, re, well, not necessarily on the podcast, but we <laughs> hear a lot of people refer to them just in passing as Canadians, a lot of Canadian geese, you know, but... Uh, you got
1: it. Thanks. I um, I to be completely honest, I said that when I was younger, and somebody corrected me, I'll never forget. <laughs> well, at least yeah.
4: you remembered, though. Yeah, as, as, yeah. As someone who studies those uh, studies, these birds—that's that's one of the things that just gets you. Yeah, and to
2: give you credit, people say it all the time around the building. So you know, randomly around still gets me though. Yeah, national headquarters. <laughs> You're like, people why? Will still say <laughs> Come <it>. on. <laughs>
1: that's right. No, it's okay. I try to correct myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Now, Central Illinois is a. Um, you know, that's deer hunting capital. I mean, that's where people go or, you know, historically people have always gone for, for big deer, big white tails, I should say. Um, but you, you know, you grew up in a very waterfowling, historically rich area right there in Peoria, right along the Illinois River. I mean, there's some fantastic places along there. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten the opportunity to spend some time at some of those, maybe some of those old clubs there along the river or anything like that? Mm -hmm. There's some cool ones up there. I
1: got to be at a couple um, past the Peoria Casino. I don't remember what it's called, but I was able to go with a couple of my friends from Presley's Outdoors. But primarily, we just stay around our property. I mean, to be honest, we're, we're focused on deer before we mm-hmm. are ducks. Early, um, early season, we'll go shoot Canada's and then, uh, opening day we'll shoot some ducks, usually wood ducks primarily. Yeah. And then if we have a good snow, if it's snow and winds whipping, it's too windy for deer, deer hunting. Um, we'll go, we'll go shoot ducks if they're there. You know, we never know. It just depends with the weather and we don't have a, you know, a split, which I wish we did, but It just gets cold when it ends, you know, at the very end of December. So, unless I kill my big deer early, I'm chasing ducks.
4: (laughs) You have, you've had the opportunity to hunt a lot of different animals to in a lot of different ways to try to catch a lot of different fish, go a lot of different places. What, and I... This feels like a Matt Harrison question, you know. What's your favorite? You know, What's Matt your Harrison, favorite? Our, our mutual friend. Oh he works for gosh. us at Ducks Unlimited. Uh, let me see. How can I ask this question? Uh, over the past couple of years, what has been the most memorable experience, either from from the way the trip, the fishing trip, hunting trip unfolded, or because it was something that you anticipated so much? What was your favorite or most memorable?
1: Oh, my gosh. I Can I say two? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's one. For sure, I took my coworker, deer hunting, and he shot his first doe during gun season. And watching his reaction was the best thing in the entire world. Like it was something that I'll never forget. He missed the first one. I told him to be patient because it was, you know, the sun was going down, they're gonna get hungry. He shot it. He thought he missed it. I was like, no, you hit it. Ran up the hill and died about 70 yards away and he was just like on top of the world. It was the best thing that I ever seen. It was like a little kid shooting their first deer, but he's 34. (laughs) Yeah, That's (laughs) awesome. So that was the best ever. Oh my gosh. I'll never forget that. That was so great. Now he's obsessed. And then probably when I shot a deer, we named six pack. I mean, I've been all over the country and all over the world, but nothing will be a uh, shooting a deer on your home property that you've been Watching grow up, so he was about eight or nine, and my dad was obsessed with him. You know, we uh, we hunted him so hard, and my dad filmed me in the tree, and I had such an adrenaline rush that I almost threw up. I was gonna pass out. It was crazy. It was such a good feeling. My dad and I, you know, when we found him, we were just like sitting there, you know, just together, like, oh, we did this, we did it finally. And it was kind of sad because, you know, you, you get attached to the deer, which you should never get attached, but we get really attached. And um, it was just such an amazing feeling and so exciting. Just all the hard work paid off and it's on Thanksgiving Day and it was just awesome.
4: So, both those experiences, family, friends, and deer. I think we know the secret for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of, I've been so lucky. I'm only 25, but I've been to really cool places and got to bow hunt a lot of different animals. And I think my favorite person to spend it with is my dad, because like we just do everything together and just the excitement from both of us and the hard work it's just really exciting we definitely fight too so you know when you like <laughs> you argue and then you're like oh, i'm sorry we're just you're both, both a
4: little bit you're both a little bit competitive right we're
1: competitive but we both <laughs> we both just want to get it done so we butt heads but we're there for the same reason so it's just great though i love deer hunting as you can tell i do like duck hunting though because i could chill and relax and it's like everybody can talk
2: <laughs> you know when you go into the barstool office how often do you go into the main offices
1: when I have time, when I'm okay. home, because uh, yeah. I'm gone a lot, you know, filming nonstop. Um, so I was just there a couple weeks ago. I try to go in a couple times a month. Uh, I'm trying to film form my content around the office a little bit for 2024 because everybody just moved to Chicago. So we moved mm-hmm. the big office. A lot of people came to Chicago. We have a brand new office we're building. I'm really excited about it because there's going to be a lot of personalities in the city and they can come with me. I can go with them. We can do a bunch of different things. So my goal is to be in the office more because I do enjoy it, and when I'm with everybody, there you can only imagine how how great and fun it is.
4: So, kind of given 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 some of those changes, uh, and and I guess this is well. Let me ask this first question: Do you think is there any any Opportunity, or are you thinking about expanding beyond just the hunting and fishing component for Barstow Outdoors, or is that really where you want to continue to work?
1: So it's we're successful for sure. So I continue yeah. wanting to do that. I want to do it to a point where I don't have to be gone as much because I do want to be in the office. I've done a couple podcasts with my friend Alex Parrick. Um, We're really close. We, we the podcasts have been successful, so I could see us doing that as well. Doing a podcast for twenty twenty four. It's easy to do podcasts. It's fun. We enjoy it. Have a live-on video so I could see myself expanding doing that. And then just like mini-series. So I'm getting into, you know, it's more fishing, but I'm I'm getting into new things like fly fishing. I want to showcase me being, you know, a novice fly fisherman to trying to work my way up. So that's really going to be exciting to try new things that I haven't done. And then um be in the office more. So just be, you know, present in there and then work with some of my coworkers to come up with some new content that is completely outside of the outdoors. Cause I do like other things besides hunting and fishing, which might surprise <laughs> some people, but I do. And uh yeah, so continue to to hunt and fish, do some mini series, podcasts, and then just be, you know, doing some other things with my coworkers. So twenty twenty four will be good. You'll That's see. That's
2: awesome. You know, when you mentioned the shift to Chicago that kind of falls in line with something that was in the headlines, you know, a whole lot, the, you know, the fact that, you know, Dave Portnoy got Barstool back, how does that impact you and what's the benefit of that for Barstool Outdoors?
1: Yeah. So, um, that was exciting. He came on, you know, everybody was cheering. We were really happy, you know, cause we, nothing against Penn either, but like, you know, things were changing, you know, we had to change a lot of things. I didn't know like what that meant for the brand, like what's going to be changed, but now we're back on the, you know, The pirate ship where it's just Dave, which means that as long as we're, you know, working hard and doing what we do best, we're going to be good. You know, some people were uneasy because now we're not we are under like a corporation. It was more of a corporate and we didn't know what we needed to do to keep our jobs. You know, some people, you know, you're uneasy because you don't know. We got a new boss. Uh, so now that Dave bought it back for a dollar, it's uh, definitely great because he's back in charge, and again, we can be ourselves and not have to follow certain guidelines to an extent. Um, it just it's just—it's good because we just have like you know drop security. I'd say
4: it's certainly yeah. a unique workplace, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely unique. It's so fun. It's—it's it's just funny because I love my out of office like, um, episodes, which I do five episodes a year where I bring you know. Different talent from Barstool on these trips. And every time I bring somebody new, I'm just laughing the whole time. It's just so, it's so funny to bring them out. And to this world that they have no idea about. And they're all, you know, they all act completely different from one another.
4: Sydney, do you ever get to a point in those in those trips where it, it does feel more like work as opposed to the, just I guess, normal fishing and hunting and you're doing it just, I mean, you're not doing it just, you're having to produce the content, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're also wanting to enjoy the hunting and the fishing experience. Does it ever get to a point where it feels more like work than fun? Oh, yeah. How do you manage that?
1: And I feel like a lot of people can vouch for that too. I uh, like, not just me in this, like this kind of world. I, I definitely feel that way, you know, because sometimes, like, oh my gosh, you got to make a video. It's pressure. I have pressure on me. Like, I got to get a video. I got to get a video. Um, you know, the, the, I have some great companies that we work with that, you know, want to be a part of my brand, which I want to do them justice and do the best I can with my production. I'm very picky, and I think that's great. I want to be picky. I don't want to just put something out to put it out. That's something that I don't like to do. I want it to be a little cinematic, a lot of personality, be very, you know... Um, not perfect, but close to it where it's great. You know, some other episodes I'll just be like, okay, this is good, you know, let's just put it out. But I want to be performed the best I can. And that means a lot of work and a lot of, you know, directing, producing, making sure everything goes well. And that can be a lot of pressure and it's work, you know, because sometimes the biggest thing with this, this job, which I cannot complain, I'm gone all the time, travel a lot. Sometimes, you know, I miss out on a lot of things, my friends and my family, and I've only been home three times this summer um, at my parents' house. And I miss my dog, Jack. So if anybody's listening to this <laughs> that follows me, you know, I love Jack. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fun, definitely. And I love the out of office series because I bring these new people and it's more just like enjoyable to watch them do their thing and experience those things. Because I've experienced a lot of this before. So that's so exciting. I love those things. I love bow hunting. So majority of times I'm like, this is great. Let's do it. Sometimes it's a grind, and I'm like, I'm exhausted. This is a lot of work, but it's so worth it. And then you know traveling gets me but yeah but that's that's the thing i would not na- i would never you know
4: i w- i would imagine those those episodes where you take a friend uh with you they they write themselves you don't have to do as much right because we know whenever you introduce a, a friend or someone new to either hunting or fishing it writes itself
1: yeah exactly and then when it's just me you know trying to get something done Usually it doesn't work out when the cameras come on, cameras come out and never happens how you picture it in your head. Which it's okay. That's part of my job. So I, I'm okay with it. I love it.
2: Yeah, you have to. I mean, just for as much as you travel and, you know, produce and things like that. I mean, it does. I've been a part of that. Like 10 years ago, I used to be a part of the DUTV show where I, I was kind of behind the scenes working on its planning, things like that. And they're like, hey, we want you to be on a show. And I went on one show. It was a snow goose hunt. And we had snow geese coming into the decoys. And they're like, all right, stop shooting. We have to shoot. and I'm like, excuse me? Like, stop shooting? Like, stop shooting? like, no, they're like, no, we have to do this and go sit and do these. And I'm like, you just turned one of the better hunts I've ever been on in my life into Work. This is awful. Like, I never did it again. I was like, yeah. oh, nope. Yeah. I'm never doing that again. It's terrible.
1: Yeah. So you get it, and then like, and it's stressful for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the editors, the videographers, the talent. We all gotta work cohesively, and it's just so much time. Or at the worst is when there's like an animal that comes out, but yeah. the camera's not on it yet, or it's not on yet, and it just walks off. Yeah. And you're like, gotta get it on video.
2: Yeah. I think for me there, I think the producer said word for word, like we have enough footage of these geese coming into the decoys. And I'm like, I'm not done watching them. Like, there's no way, like, you know, you don't have enough footage. So yeah, that was my experience where it turned into work for sure. Um, got a couple more questions for you and then we'll get you out of here. Um, have you had any experience where people kind of reached out to you after you did like a fishing show or a hunting show where people are like, Hey, you know, I'm, I've followed Barstool, but not necessarily Barstool Outdoors. You've kind of opened my eyes to this. So I'm going to try and get into fishing, you know, or somewhere that you went specifically. I think I remember seeing some clips maybe last year, last summer, where you were just literally walking around downtown Chicago catching smallmouth. And like, some people wouldn't even now. I'm kind of from that region, so I'm aware that the fishing's pretty good around there. But you know, most people would not know that you know there's so many different opportunities to hunt and fish in different places that maybe they're watching your videos and they reach out and like, hey you really opened my eyes to this. Is that something you've experienced?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I've had a lot of people message me just asking about it. They want to know gear. They want to know who to go with. They want to know where to go with. They want to know how to start. Um, And unfortunately, I can't get to everybody. I do get asked a lot of questions. um, And sometimes I don't see all of them, which is, unfortunate, but I'm busy. Can't wait to see my phone. But that's why I think like in my videos, I try to showcase, especially if I'm going with a guide or a friend that knows more than me is to like, Hey, this is who you can contact or go with as well. And then this guide, um, I went snook fishing, for example, in Florida, Ryan Nitz, awesome guy. He knows his stuff and he, you know, breaks everything down from the gear to what we use to where we're at. Every, obviously we can't show where we're at all the time for some people but yeah I get a lot of questions and I love that and I love showcasing that on my videos as well and try to be as educational as I can be and as educational as my guide can be I don't know everything I'm young I'm still doing things for the first time so I try to ask as many questions as I can that I'm curious about to help the viewers get into the sport no matter what that might be awesome
2: you got one more question uh, not a question are you about we about ready to wrap I was up? gonna ha- yeah I was gonna ask one more thing go, Sydney go and it. this is is, you know, in this day and age, everyone is a content creator. People on Instagram, you know, Facebook, you know, Twitter, these creators are doing different things. So many people and a lot of outdoorsmen are doing it. They're filming hunts. They're sharing these hunts on different platforms. What is your advice to some of these maybe younger people, maybe younger outdoorsmen and women who are creating this content? You know, what would you tell them as, you know, the face of Barstow Outdoors? You know, hey, if I were you, you know, here's the direction you could go or, or any advice that you may have.
1: Kind of a loaded question. So let me think about this <laughs> for a second. I want to say, right. I think like the biggest thing if they want to get into content creation is to definitely don't be molding into the way that people want you to be. Like be authentically yourself. Showcase your personality on your social media. People want to get to know you. Yeah, you might do some really cool things, but personality is like the best because they can connect with you. They can feel like you're your friend, even though they don't know you in person. And like, don't be rude to other people. I think mean, that's a big thing. Some people can be super rude and just be kind, like just be yourself, have fun with it. Do it because you love it. Don't do it because of the monetary value it come with it. Otherwise it's just going to blow up in your face and it's not going to like go well for you. And this world, like again, everybody's trying to be a content creator. Find your niche, step into it and just run with it. Don't give up. You're going to need a post, post, post. And you might not start to see that incline until post a hundred. But it's gonna happen and it's gonna be great. And that's pretty much what I got so far. I just, there's a lot I could talk about, but I just think the biggest thing is just to be kind and show yourself and be yourself and don't try to mold into what somebody else wants you to be. People are gonna be mean and people are gonna make fun of you, but who cares? You live once, this is your life, not theirs. And also, read, with, especially in the outdoor world, if you're going to get into the outdoor, industry, like the content creation side, you really need to re- read up on your rules and regulations because there's a lot of things that people don't know are the law or some things that you might need, um, like licenses or what you can harvest and sizes. There's a ton. And like these guys for sure definitely know more about like the ducks, <laughs> um, what can be harvested, what cannot be harvested, what type of the year? There's just so much laws. Look into it. Call your you know local DNR office if you have questions. No, you don't want to get in trouble if you're going for the first time. That would not be fun.
4: Yeah, and don't do it on video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, don't like do it on video.
4: Sydney, I just wanted to say, uh, offer thanks to you for engaging with Ducks Unlimited, helping us promote our mission of conservation for waterfowl. For waterfowl and wetlands, we had a great time with with you guys both at DUX last year in 2022. You got to do some really cool stuff there, go around the track at Texas Motor Speedway. Matt Harrison did too, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then also the hunt this past January, I had a great opportunity to to visit with you and and really just thank you for making your platform available for sharing that message. We did some little science uh, snippets, which were really cool. I think I got a laugh out of that.
1: That was really interesting. Thank you, because you were spitting some facts that people loved, and those videos were doing so well. Like, we got to get together and do some more of that. Well,
4: and that was the other thing I was going to say. If you ever need any content on waterfowl, wetlands, conservation, any science related to that, we want to be the person to help provide that content. We want to be the organization that, that you go to. And we thank you for uh, for allowing us to do that uh, and using your platform for that message. Uh, shout out to our mutual friends, uh, Matt Harrison, Mallory Murphy, who... Who helped to make that connection? And yeah, definitely, we look forward to getting uh, uh, getting up with you sometime in the future.
1: Absolutely, I'm I'm so happy we we're able to do that. We learned a lot. You guys taught us a lot about the organization that we didn't know about, and everybody was we just all had a blast. And I'm pretty sure we're doing it all over again early January. We are. So,
2: we've got it on the book. Sounds awesome.
1: I'm excited. Yep. You guys are awesome. It's so much fun, like being you know collaborative with you guys and just my friends now so it's great i love y'all
2: cool same sydney this has been great i appreciate you coming on um you know sharing your story sharing information about barstool and giving some advice to you know some people out there who may want to become a content creator so yeah this has just been a great conversation and really appreciate it
1: yeah of course anytime guys i appreciate you guys thanks sydney I'd like to thank my
2: co-host, Dr. Mike Razor, for joining us on this episode. I'd like to thank our guest, Sydney Wells, the host of Barstool Outdoors, for coming on the show and talking about all things barstool and outdoors. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wellens Conservation.
0: Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina ProPlan always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit Ducks.org slash Du Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks.